walk by faith. I'm going to ask us to stand for the reading of the Word of God. We walk by faith and not by sight. How many of you know that? We walk by faith and not by sight. From the moment we're saved to the moment we go to heaven, where we won't need faith anymore, we walk by faith and not by sight. We live by faith. The righteous shall live by his faith. Faith is the substance of things you're hoping for, and it's the evidence that you've got coming what you don't see yet. That's faith. All right? We've been talking about faith. We've been talking about faith's hall of fame. You find that in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 gives us a litany, a list of people who had great exploits by faith, experienced great breakthroughs by faith, saw mighty miracles by faith. And it's a very, very encouraging chapter until you get to verse 36. And then it takes a turn. And it tells us about people that didn't get a miracle, didn't get a breakthrough, did not get a divine intervention in the way they may have wanted, but they were also people of great faith. So if God didn't want us to know this, it wouldn't be in the Bible. So I'm going to talk to you about, I'm calling this today, still others, because that's how verse 36 begins. But let's real quickly, let me just look at verse 30 and start reading. Here's the face hall of fame. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and those walls came crashing down. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God. For she had given a friendly welcome to the spies and it protected them. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets, all of them. By faith, look what it says they did. By faith, they overthrew entire kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions. There's Daniel. Quenched the flames of fire. There's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned into strength. They became strong in battle. They put entire armies to flight. Women even received their loved ones back again from the dead by faith. You you read these and you go, wow, nothing is impossible with God, right? But now the narrative takes a turn and it goes down a rather dark street he says but still others here they are we don't know their names like we do the other ones they're never named God knew them all by name but still others look at what happened they were tortured refusing to turn from God and renounce their faith so that they could be set free they placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. They were jeered at. Their backs were cut open with whips. They were chained in prisons. They died by stoning. They were sawed in half. That's Isaiah. Others were killed with the sword. Some went around wearing skins of sheep and goats. 
destitute, oppressed, mistreated. These were people of faith. Are you getting it? It's there in the Bible. These are people of faith. You don't want to say, well, I name that and claim that one. You don't want to pray for this, do you? But these were people of faith. And they had as good a faith, as strong a faith, as the ones that got the miracles. Do you catch that? This is not telling us they had lesser faith so they didn't get delivered. It's telling us their faith was just as good. Because it goes on to say, these all died in faith. All of them. They were too good for this world, verse 38. Wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. Can you imagine sleeping at night in some dank, dark, damp, bat-infested cave or in a hole in the ground? All these people earned a good reputation. How many of them? All of them. They obtained a good testimony because of their faith. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the balance of the message on a life of faith. Thank you for telling us the truth about walking by faith. Thank you, Lord, for amazing grace. Now open our eyes and ears to see what you had for us in verses 36 through 40 as we look at still others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, perk up and listen. You may need this before you get home. Amen. Now, uh, you don't hear a whole lot of preaching on verses 36 to 40, do you? You hear a lot of preaching on verse 1 through 34 because it's all the miracles, all the breakthroughs, all the divine interventions. Those people experience what all of us always want to experience when we're going through a trial, right? We want breakthroughs. We want divine intervention. We want circumstances changed. But here in verses 36 through 40, or actually 35 through 40, where it says still others, we're getting to the other side of the faith coin. We're learning about people who did not get that breakthrough. But them not getting the breakthrough is not telling us they didn't have good faith or they had weaker faith, or they needed to believe better, or profess better, or confess better, or whatever, because they should have been receiving what the others did. No. This text lets us know their faith was equal. The faith of these people were equal. They had just as good a faith as the ones that got the miracles. They just didn't. At least not on this earth. So we see Noah, Moses, Rahab, David, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. All of these experienced supernatural breakthroughs and miracles and incredible stuff. But what about the still others? What about these still others? Because there it is in in the divine text. There it is. Holy Spirit wrote it through the writer of Hebrews. There it is. God included their story. We don't know their name. We don't know where they were from. We don't know who they were. Heaven knew very well. But we don't know. We only know the names of the ones that got the great breakthroughs. But what about the still 
others. What are we supposed to learn about them from them? Why didn't they receive miracles? Or what about the ones who didn't? Because they sure needed a miracle. Who weren't spared from their troubles and trials? They weren't spared. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were. They were delivered, delivered from the oven intact. Okay? We can go through the whole litany. Moses went across the sea. Moses was delivered from Egypt. Abraham got his answer. But these folks never saw that kind of breakthrough to the day they went home. Instead, we're told some tough stuff. They were tortured, whipped, mocked, stoned, shackled to chains, thrown into prison. They wore low-end goodwill clothing. Sheepskins and goatskins, the idea is they killed the animal and clothed themselves as best they could. They didn't have silk and satin. They didn't go to sleep at night with pillows and soft beds. No, they wandered around in deserts and mountains. Uh, they, they, they slept in dens and caves of the earth. You ever been in a cave? I've been in a lot of caves. I've gone spelunking in caves. Bats hanging off the ceiling. Smells bad, dank, dark. Not a place you want to go to sleep at night unless you're going to wake up with something looking at you. But these were people of faith. These were people that believed in God, loved God, walked with God, prayed to God, had the same faith as those that experienced miracles. Their faith was not less. We got to get a hold of that, folks. We got to understand this about faith. Because we've been taught in the Western church if you've got faith, you're always going to get that miracle, always going to get that breakthrough, always going to get this, this divine intervention, the, the kind that you're imagining. And when it doesn't happen, a lot of people walk away because they were taught that you should get it. And if you don't get it, there's something wrong with your faith. There was nothing wrong with these people's faith. There was nothing wrong with it. It was good faith, strong faith. You know why? I think in some ways their faith was greater because it carried them through a trial from which there was no deliverance. What about the nameless others? What about them? And what does their experience tell us and, uh, about faith and about the life of faith and walk of faith? Well, I want to just kind of unpack this for a little bit today because I'm closing out this series now on Faith Hall of Fame. And so I want to bring a balance to faith. I want to bring a balance to our understanding. Okay? Because there are certain things God promises regarding faith and certain things He does not. We need balance. So first, their story, because we just read about them. Man, they went through hell on earth and died and went to heaven. Now, Here's the first thing we walk away with. This probably is not news to most of you, but faith does not guarantee deliverance from all trouble. If you've been saved more than a week, you know that's right. Faith does not guarantee deliverance from all trouble. 
It does guarantee God's help in all trouble, His grace in all trouble, His strength in all trouble, His guidance in all trouble, but it does not guarantee deliverance from all trouble. Sometimes we do experience a miracle, a a breakthrough, a change in circumstances, and other times we don't. What do you do with the don't? I love the, the do. What about the don't? I wish God could deliver me from every trial. Wouldn't that be great? Lord, I'm in a trial. Get me out. You're out. Everybody would get saved, right? But God never promised his people deliverance from all suffering in this world. I'm going to say that slow. God never promised his people deliverance from all suffering in this world. In fact, he guaranteed some suffering. Listen to Acts 14, 22. We must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. The very idea of a narrow road that leads to life means constricted, restricted, pressure. You're swimming upstream, not downstream. You're fighting the world, the flesh, and the devil. It's not an easy journey. I'd be lying to you if I told you it was. I will not paint with fake colors the Christian life. You're going to have battle. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have struggle. You're going to have some failures, some ups and downs, some setbacks, some betrayals. It's not an easy walk, but it's oh, so worth it. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world, John 16, 33. So there's two guarantees right there, tribulation and trouble. Peter said, be not amazed at the fiery trial, which is to try you as though there's something weird happening to you. Troubles are going to come. Tribulation is going to come. That's where the teachings of Jesus come in because he taught us how to live, how to build our lives on his word so that when the floods come and the rains fall and the winds blow, our house does not fall because it's founded on a rock, the rock of his teaching and the rock of him his person. So here's the thing. What we learn from verses 35 to 40, these still others, what we learn is God will either deliver us in the trial or he'll deliver us from the trial. He'll do one of those two. When you're in a trial that is testing you, stretching you, uh, trying you, uh, challenging your faith, you're really going through a hard, a hard season. When that's where you are, uh, uh, the Bible says God's going to do one of two things. He's going to remove you from it or he's going to deliver you in it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. You're right on your staff. You comfort me. I'm going to come out on the other side because you're walking through the trial with me. Amen. Either way, either, whether he takes you out of it or leaves you in it, it's all by faith. It's all by faith. Faith is operating in, in, in one or two of either of the situations. Faith is still operating. Faith will operate to believe God to get you out, or faith will operate to believe God to get you through. It's still all by faith. We walk by faith. We live by faith. We know that God will never fail us, never forsake us, never walk away, never cheat on us, never betray us. In verses 1 through 34, God is delivering people of faith from their trial. 
But in verses 35 to 40, he graces them to endure by faith in the trial. Either way, it's all by faith. And the faith is just as strong in either direction. The faith is just as good. You need faith to go through it as much as you need faith to be delivered from it. It's all by faith. Scripture tells us the Apostle Paul had that infamous thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it was. We have no idea what it was. I have my own little guesses. Um, I'm pretty sure it was probably his eyes, but I don't know. Because he told the Galatians, I bear witness to, to God and to you that when I was with you, if you could have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me, you would have. That's how much you love me. So that tells me there was something going on with his eyes. I don't know if that's what it was, but I do know that it was a thorn, and I do know he wanted out of it. The Bible says three different times, I begged God to take it away. And each time he said, no. My grace is with you. That is all you need. My power shows up best in your weakness. Paul, I could take you out. I could remove the thorn, but I'm not going to do it because there's something I'm wanting to work in you as you bear with that thorn and walk with me through that thorny situation, whatever it is. Uh, There's something I want to work in you, and I'm not going to get it in you if I take you out of it. So I'm going to leave you in it, and my grace is going to be with you. My strength is going to be with you. My guidance is going to be with you. My power is going to be with you, and I'm going to get you out to the other side. And when you come out on the other side, something's going to be in you that would never have been in you if I had taken you out of it. No, my grace is with you. That's all you need. My power shows up best in your weakness. So, Paul, I'm going to uphold you. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to carry you. I'm going to to make you strong, not by might, not by the power of the flesh, but by my spirit. You're going to learn to lean on me like you've never leaned on me before. So, Paul, true to form, embraced God's will. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses. I'm going to brag about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may work through me for when I am weak, that's when I am the strongest. I know that's not jump up and shout amen kind of preaching, but listen, a lot of you need that because you haven't had a deliverance out of it. You're in it, and it looks like you're going to have to walk through it. And I want you to know he's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He's going to be with you, and he's going to grace you. He's going to work something into you you need. So so we, we see from these unknown, unnamed heroes of the faith, that faith is not a magic exit door out of all trouble. That's not what faith is. It's not a guarantee of endless good times. Oh, no, that's not what it is. Matter of fact, you're going to have some times you would never have had if you hadn't had faith because they liked you at the, at the lunch table at the office until you got saved. Uh, your family loved you when you were in sin, and every Christmas and Thanksgiving gathering, you were one of them. But now that you're talking about Jesus every which way but loose, you're not so popular anymore, and you're experiencing a rejection. You've got some troubles you never had until you became a person of faith. It's not a force field surrounding you that insulates you from difficulties. That's not what faith is. But here's what it is. It is the means by which we're saved. It starts there. 
If you confess with your mouth Jesus the Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, that's how faith behaves. That's what it believes. Then you will be saved. You're saved by faith. You're kept by faith. Jesus is the author of your faith. He starts it. He's the finisher of your faith. He's going to end it. When he takes you up into heaven and you don't need faith any longer, you're going to look back over your life and see that he carried you the whole way. He gave you all the faith you needed to deal with what you had to deal with to get you to the finish line. Faith is the way we walk with God every day, stand on his promises every day, successfully fight the devil every day, and we enjoy God's peace no matter our surrounding circumstances. By faith. So that's one thing we learn. Here's another thing I learned from verses 35 to 40, the unnamed heroes. Secondly, uh, faith, faith, walking by faith, trusting God, standing on his word, is the means by which God hammers and chisels the character of Christ into our personalities. When he doesn't take you from it, but he leaves you in it and carries you through it, It's because he wants to chisel something into your personality and your character that would never be there if he took you out of all your trials. If God delivered you and me out of all of our trials, we'd never grow. Our faith would never grow. It would never grow. Your faith, my faith, it would never grow because it's never tested. It's a muscle. It's got to be worked. Amen. It's, I'll tell you, as a, somebody that loves cycling, pedaling, I mean a bicycle, uh, it's the steep hills that we cyclists strain to climb that turns our legs into muscle. It's, it's, it's the muscle burn in the gym that builds strength into your frame. It's that daily run that preps the athlete to make it in the long marathon. God sees where we're going, not just where we are. He sees what we're going to need, just not just what we have today. He knows where our faith is going to have to be. So he will allow our faith to be tested and tried and stretched, knowing it's a muscle that's going to get stronger. And if he took us out of every trial, we'd never grow. Dear brothers and sisters, James wrote, when troubles of any kind come your way, and they will, Consider it an opportunity for great joy. I have not mastered that yet. That's a hard one for me. When a great trial comes, it is the last thing I think about to consider it great joy. But here's the deal. For you know. Do we know? What does it say? For you know. You know. What are we supposed to know? That when your faith is tested, your endurance. Endurance means your ability to to persevere, to hold up under pressure, to make it in the long haul, to not faint, to not give up, to not run out of oxygen, to to not put up the white flag, to not quit, to not walk away from God. That ability to endure has a chance to grow when God doesn't take you out of it, but he leaves you in it. Have you ever noticed perseverance? Have you ever prayed for perseverance? I never have. I've never had to pray for patience. I've always had plenty of opportunity to be patient. God makes sure in his sovereignty over my life that something is always testing my patience. And I don't like it. I want patience to be a gift, not 
Listen, gifts are sown, fruit is grown. I wish that patience was a gift that was sown. And, and one day it was just dropped on me and I had the patience of God. But that's not how it happens. No, he puts me in the slowest line at Albertsons. Right? I mean, I study those lines. I've talked about this before, but it happened to me again this week. I study the lines. Which one is really moving quick? I want the quickest one. I don't want to be here all day. I need to get home. I got things to do. And said, so that's the one moving quickest. Let me in that line. You don't want me in that line with you. Because of me, it will not go well. Because every time I get in one of those lines, yeah, it's moving along. I'm watching everybody else, waiting. I'm thinking, yep, I got in the best line. Then the person in front of me, their card doesn't work. They have some problem with the pricing. Or they're having to give something back and they can't find the price tag. And and all of a sudden, everybody who I thought I was going to beat, they're all going right by me. And I go, why does God do this to me? No, he's not doing it to me. He's doing it for me. Are you ready? Come on. Because I have to say, okay, all right, I can wait. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God bless that. Glory to God. Because you never know who's looking, right? Pastor Jeff. He says, let it grow, your perseverance, your patience. Let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So when he leaves you in it, it's because he wants to chisel something into your character. And that something is the person of Jesus Christ. That is God's number one will for you and me. It is not that we have the biggest house, the nicest car, the biggest bank account. That that has nothing to do with it. His number one will for you and me is that we would have built into us, chiseled into our character, our personalities, the person, the character of Jesus. That's his will, that we grow into the fullness of the stature of Christ. That's the will of God. So Job said, I know that when he tests me, I'll come out as pure gold. See, when you know the Lord, no matter what you go through, as bitter as it may be, He promises, I'm going to turn it into something sweet in this way. I will chisel into your personality the character of my son. And nothing is going to stop me from doing that. For I have decreed that that is my will for every child of God. Every day we are his workmanship. Every day we're on the potter's wheel. Every single day he's at work in us, forming, shaping, molding, making us into the image of Christ. You may not be where you want to be, but you're not where you used to be. Amen. There's one last thing about these people, and I'll close. These unnamed heroes of the faith. What did they experience? What are we to learn from them? We also see that faith in the trial produced eternal rewards, not just the earthly reward of becoming more like Christ, which is a supernatural work of God. But eternal rewards came to them because they endured leaning on the grace of God. They're enjoying their reward in heaven right now. 
I love the book of Revelation for a lot of reasons, but here's one reason I love it. It gives us a glimpse into what is coming. The book of Revelation shows us what heaven looks like. We never know. The Bible says they refuse to forsake their faith in Jesus, that they might obtain a better resurrection. What were they looking to? What were they looking for? Why did they hang on? Why did they refuse to, to renounce Christ? Why did they endure? How did they endure? Well, one way they did it was they had their eyes on a better resurrection. They knew that this world was not their home. And that heaven was their final destination. The book of Revelation gives an incredible picture of exactly what heaven looks like and what they're experiencing right now. Let me give you a little idea. John the Revelator is taken up there. And he sees heaven. And he sees a vast multitude of souls. And he says, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. That's the unnamed heroes. They gave their life. Now watch this. A few verses later, John sees them again. And here's where they are. Therefore, they are in front of the throne of God. They are in front of the very throne of Creator God. They're at the front. They're looking at God's throne. And it says they serve Him day and night in the temple, His temple, where He lives. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. They no longer experience a hunger pang or a thirst. Never again. Never again in heaven. Never again where they are. The better resurrection. The place called heaven. It goes on. They don't hunger anymore, thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them, nor any heat. That means they have no more adversity, no more struggle, no more trial. For the Lamb, capital L, who is in the midst of the throne, will personally shepherd them. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Now watch. As soon as you get there, everything you went through here fades to nothing. Eye has not seen nor ear heard nor has it entered the heart of man the things God has prepared for those who love him. I am persuaded that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed. No more cancer. No more heart disease. No more arthritis. No more migraine headaches. No more joint pain. No more, no, no more COVID. No more disease. No more guilt. No more shame. No more temptation. No more devil. No more flesh. No more weakness. No, it's all gone. It's all gone in that place called heaven. No, it can't compare what we're experiencing now, enduring now, what these people, 35 to 40 verses, what they experience can't compare to the glory, the weight of the glory. This, the, the width of the glory, the height of the glory, the breadth of the glory, the, the depth of the glory. It can't reveal. It can't compare. So while they, we may not always be delivered from it, okay, the reward of spiritual growth 
and the joy that is coming is well worth it. Now, I want to I just, in closing, show you a powerful text because we wonder, we've already seen how they do it. They had their eyes on the prize. They had their eyes on what was coming. I want to just expand on that just for a couple of minutes. They looked beyond their present circumstances to what was coming. And that's one of the great keys to enduring a tough trial. When your eye is not on the trial, but it's on what is coming. It's on the reward. And it's on the rewarder. Listen to how Hebrews sums up all these heroes of the faith, the ones whose names we know and the ones we don't. He he wraps it all up, puts them all into one container, and here's what he says. Do you see what this means? This is Hebrews 12, 1. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans of faith cheering us on, it means we better get on with it. Drop all encumbrances, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat. This is the message paraphrase. But no extra spiritual fat. I like that. No parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on who both began and finished the race we're in. The race you're in, he started it. The race you're in, he's going to finish it. Now, he goes on. Watch this. Catch this. The writer says, study how he did it. Who's the he? Jesus. How he did what? How did he endure that cross? The torment, the pain, the shame, the humiliation, the torture. How did he endure it? How did he endure it? He says, study how he did it. Because here's how he did it. He never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating joy of what lay ahead. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there. Where? He's on the right-hand side of God, ever living to make intercession for you and me. He's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. So when you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over his story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. He's he's my trailblazer. He's the captain of my salvation. He showed me how to run the race. He showed me how to break the tape at the finish line. He showed me how to win and not lose. How to make it and not break it. He's told me how to succeed in this walk that we're in right now. Jesus blazed the trail. Can we stand together? I love those words. Study how he did it. Yeah. So let's keep in mind the truth of a walk of faith. Here's the truth. Whether we're delivered from the trials or delivered in the trial, the grace to endure is always there. Faith in God and his promises will carry us all the way to the end. He's never going to fail you, never going to forsake you. He's never going to walk out. He's going to get us there. Amen? Aren't you thankful to the Lord? So that's what we learn from these unnamed heroes. Let's lift our hands to the, to the Lord. Say, Lord, thank you. Whether I get delivered out of it or in it, 
you are with me. I trust you. Thank you for working in me what is pleasing in your eyes. Thank you for spiritual growth, for my faith growing. And thank you for your character being chiseled into my personality. In the mighty name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, some of you, you're in a real trial. You're in a test of tests. You're feeling weary. You're feeling tired. You've thought the thought, maybe I just need to walk away. Let me tell you something. Don't do it. Stay true to him. Stay true to him. Stay true to the Lord who called you. Stay true to the word of God. Because at the end, folks, nobody's going to be there when you and I face the Lord. We're going to face him on our own. And we're going to hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a little. I'm going to make you ruler over much. Enter into the joy of your Lord. That's the only thing we should live for right there, to hear those words. Amen? So let's lift our hands one more time and just say, Lord, help me. We're in the final stretch. You're coming soon. Lord, in Jesus' name, help me to stay true and faithful to the end. And thank you for the grace to carry me in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing this song. We're going to worship the Lord just for a moment. Let's get our eyes on Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on, everybody, sing it. Thank you, Lord. Sing praise you, Lord. Let's lift it and worship Him. Praise Thank you, Lord. You, Lord. Oh, we praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. How many of you needed that today? I know I did. Praise God. Amen.